Well, if you are visiting with us for the first time, welcome. My name is Ryan Rice. I serve as uh, the lead pastor here at Connect Church. And we're going to be continuing on our series today, uh, Life is Hard, uh, but God is Good. Uh, we're actually going to be in the last message of this series. And so if you would stand with me one last time, we're going to read the scripture together. Today we're going to be uh, in a very familiar passage of scripture, uh, Psalm 23. And we're going to do our best to actually walk through all six verses uh, together uh, for the glory of God. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can open it up on your smartphone or you can look on the screen with us. I'll be reading out the Christian Standard Bible. The word of the Lord says this to us. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Let's pray. Father. I thank you so much that we can sing your praise alone, that, Lord, you're seated on the highest throne. And so, Lord, I pray you accept all of our worship to you, Lord, through our giving, through our singing, God. And, Lord, I pray you will bless this time as we open up your word. Challenge our hearts, our minds. Let our hearts be set um, firmly on you, Lord, to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And so, Father, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, we've journeyed through uh, this series the past several weeks, and uh, it's been a huge blessing. If you uh, missed any of it, you can, uh, of course, go on our website or go uh, on iTunes or uh, Spotify and catch up uh, where you left off. But today we want to end really focusing in on uh, the rest that God provides, the God who is the provider and the sustainer, and he's good. Uh, In fact, one of the things we have to realize is that Jesus understands the very struggle we walk in. We've talked about that a lot while we've been together, that he meets us and the gospel meets us at the street level of our lives, no matter where we find ourselves, that we can find refreshing for our souls in Christ. In fact, Jesus said this to us in Matthew 11, 28 and 30, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We see the reality of Christ giving rest to his people. And in Psalm 23, we see this rest extended that he is our shepherd, that he is good. And not only does he do what is good, but he gives us no reason to question his goodness. Even when life is hard. God's character never changes. He is good. God is good. The first thing we see in verse one is that the shepherd provides, that the shepherd provides. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. And throughout the scripture, we see this description of the Lord that he is often described as the shepherd of Israel. We can look back even to the book of Exodus and see where God called Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let his people go. And when the shepherd calls, the sheep must go free. It was the Lord who pulled the Israelites out of 400 years of captivity with a mighty hand. 
Even as we started off the service, we were reading some of the things that God had done, how he parted the Red Sea. And we talked about how his love endures forever. Those things are so true. And in Psalm 77, 20, it says, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses in Aaron. We see the reality of God leading his people like a good shepherd because God is good. And here, David, the same David that slew the the mighty warrior Goliath, the same David that became king of Israel, he penned this psalm. And he declares that the one who leads him is the Lord. And this psalm in particular was one that was often set to music. In fact, a great way to memorize scriptures is singing it. And this was one that was meant to be sung. But it says the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. And being a shepherd is a lonely or was a lonely occupation. But the shepherd took his job seriously. And often in the east, if the shepherd took care of the sheep, oftentimes it could have been someone else's sheep that they were taking care of. So they took it very seriously. The care of the sheep to protect, to fend, to lead, to guide them. They in turn were responsible for the welfare of the sheep. And so the sheep, under the sound of their voice, learned that shepherd's voice and would only hearken to that voice alone. This depiction of a shepherd became synonymous with the role of the coming Messiah as well. When we look in the Old Testament, we see the Messiah being described as a shepherd. In Psalm 81, it says, listen, shepherd of Israel who leads Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine. In Micah 7.14, it says, shepherd your people with your staff, the flock that is in your possession. When we jump to the New Testament, we see the same picture that Jesus gives us of him being a good shepherd. In John 10, 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So when you know Christ, you know the good shepherd. John 10, 15, just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus was very clear that he knew what the scriptures said about the Messiah. And he makes it very clear here. He's comparing, not only comparing, he's laying out for them that, hey, just as the Old Testament proclaimed the coming of the Messiah, who would be a good shepherd, so I am he. He is our good shepherd, the one who came to serve, the one who came to lay down his life for a ransom for many, the one who came and laid down his life and took on the wrath of God. He is our good shepherd. Jesus said this. He says, I give eternal life to those who trust in me and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is good news to know. I love what Warren Wiersbe said. He says, Jesus is adequate for every need the sheep may have as they are in the pasture. He knows every need we have as we are in the pasture. This is the God that we serve who knows his own. The Lord is Yahweh. He is the shepherd. Now, here's the thing I want you to get. This is a passage many people love to quote. The Lord is my shepherd. But the reality is, this is not a passage everyone can quote. The only ones who can truly say the Lord is my shepherd are those who are his sheep. 
The only way you know you're his sheep is if you've hearkened to his voice and surrendered your life to his will. See, here's the thing. Jesus has sheep that are in his fold that listen to his voice. That means they obey his commandments. That means although we may be stubborn at times, our will is to do his will. It's to follow his way. See, here's the thing. Being an American is a great thing. Praise God we live in a great country. Praise God for the liberties we have. But here's the reality, though. The kingdom of God is not like your 1776 independence. Americans have it so bad. We think God wants our opinion on things. God doesn't need your opinion on anything because he is a sovereign God of the universe. There is no tea party, taxation, all this kind of stuff. We're going to just revolt against God in his kingdom. No. It is his kingdom and his kingdom alone. And the sheep willfully surrender to the shepherd's voice. That's how you know you're his. You surrender. The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh, the God Almighty, is my shepherd. I lean not to my own understanding. I lean to his. In fact, in Luke 9, 50 through 60, and I won't stay there too long, it talked about those who actually were following Jesus. If you want to go back and read it later, you can. And there were many who came and said, Lord, we'll follow you. Lord, we'll go wherever you want us to go. Lord, we'll do this. Lord, we'll do that. And then they said, but first, let us go take care of some things. No, it doesn't work like that. You surrender your life willfully to the king of kings and lord of lords and you follow him because he is the shepherd the lord yahweh is adequate for every need that we have and the apostle paul even encouraged the ephesians church to, to bask and dwell in this truth in ephesians 3 18 and 19 it says this what is the length and width height and depth of god's love and to know christ's love that surpasses knowledge We have to dwell that the Lord is our shepherd, that he is good, and I have what I need. This is also translated in other translations to, I shall not want. This actually means not to lack, to be without, not to have. In short here, David is saying, the Lord is watching over me, so I shall have need for nothing. Now, we've got to think of the great implications of this, the great reach and ramification of this one statement. I shall not lack. I shall not want. I shall not be without. God will take care of me. The provision of God, it reaches further than our bank accounts. The provision of God is, is reaching to make the promises of his own a reality. Now, this is not saying Jesus is promising you some wealthy lifestyle, okay? We're not saying, see, the Lord's going to give me what I want, and so what I'm going to do, I'm going to go get that Mercedes I can't afford because the Lord knows exactly what I want. No, maybe you need to check your fleshly heart's desires because sometimes the things you think are best for you actually turn out to be a curse, No, the Lord knows my need. He will provide my needs. And the thing he's promised to provide is food, shelter, our daily bread, all these things, and also our salvation. The Lord knows what I need. In Romans 8, 28, we talked about this weeks ago. We know that all things work together for the good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. 
So we rest to know that God is good. Philippians 4.19 says it this, this way, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In fact, the Bible goes on to say this, that no one who trusts in the Lord will be disgraced, trusting that he is sufficient. And for some of us, maybe the Lord is challenging us with our view to see him as good, to see him as the good shepherd who is our savior, who is enough, and he is enough to be our provider. Here's the next thing. The shepherd leads, the shepherd leads. Not only does he provide, he provides our salvation, he provides a way out of no way, but he also leads. He lets me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. Understand, to follow the Lord Jesus is to become a sheep of his pasture. If you love him, you do what he says. And this is what Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. So to be a disciple of Christ is simply to be a committed follower that desires to obey his commands. Now, not all of his commands are easy, but the reality is we surrender even when we disagree with his commands. We surrender because we want to follow him because he is good and he is our Lord. Notice the sheep are not smarter than the shepherd. The sheep don't know where to go. The shepherd leads them where they should go because the shepherd knows what's best for your life. This is how it sometimes practically works out in our life. Lord, you didn't let me marry so-and-so. But see, so-and-so told me that was going to be my husband, but you didn't let me marry them. Now I'm mad with you, God. God saves us from ourselves so many times. Some of us need to be thankful that God didn't let you do the thing that you wanted to do anyway. Lord, you didn't let me get the job I wanted. Lord, you didn't let me get the car I wanted. Lord, you didn't let me do this. Have you ever stopped to say the Lord leads me where he wants me to go? Amen. The Lord leads. He leads my steps. He takes me where I need to go. And to be a sheep is to rest and trust in the sovereign hand of the Messiah to lead your life. The best thing some of us can say is that God knows what's better for my life than I do for myself. He knows where I need to be and he knows where I need to be at this moment. And so he leads me to green pastures. And as a shepherd is the one who finds the lush green grass, a good place for the sheep to graze and rest. And in Israel, there's not much rain, but when the rain does fall, the mountains are lush with grass and the sheep can actually graze there. The shepherd knows where to find those places. No, it's not only about the food, it's about the rest. The sheep are being led to places of rest by who? The shepherd. And he cares for his sheep. The grass, but also still waters, literally waters of stillness. When the streams have these white caps on them, the sheep don't want to drink from them. So the shepherd knows exactly where he needs to take them to waters that are still. And this is where they drink from, where the water is placid and where the sheep will drink. Remember Jesus' words, come to me, all those who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you waters to drink. I'll give you refreshment for your soul. Some of us are saying, well, I'll follow Jesus when I know how everything's going to work out. You don't get that, that prerogative. You follow Jesus even when you don't know how things will work out. 
That is what it means to follow God. But the problem is for many of us Christians, we want to be God. We want to have sovereign control of everything in our life, but the reality is we can't. He does. He leads us to quiet waters. He leads us where we need to be and where he desires for us to go because he knows what's best for our life. You know, the song where it says, you know, Jesus, take the wheel, right? We don't need him to take a wheel. We need him to be the GPS. We need him to be the driver. We need him to be the mechanic. We literally just need to sit trust in his sovereign hand. Yes, we walk out our salvation both fear and trembling. That is our responsibility to walk this out. But we walk it out trusting in the sovereignty and power of God in and through our life. No, the Lord leads us where he desires for us to be both now and forever. Here's the next thing. The shepherd gives life. He gives life. I love this. He renews our life. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus didn't come just to show us how to love or how to be a good neighbor. It wasn't just showing us how to be good to people. It wasn't just to come and turn political systems on their head. No, he came to redeem. He came to break the curse of sin. He came to fulfill the law. He came that those who were in bondage to sin and enslavement would become free. So he renews our life. How are we free? By looking at the one, by looking upon the one who took our punishment at the cross. We're set free. So the shepherd gives life. The Hebrew word there is simply this. He renews my soul. He renews my soul. In the deepest parts of us, he gives life. Essentially, this is saying he puts a new heart in me. He puts a new heart in me. He restores vitality. He restores vigor. He restores strength. He renews. He invigorates. And this is why David even prayed, Lord, created me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. This is what Jesus does. Sadly, many of us, we take the notion like Jesus is just saving anybody out here. That's what he does. He saves folks that you don't think deserve saving. Because you know what? That one person was you too. He can save anybody. Because he has the power to renew the coldest and darkest of hearts. And you say, how can you say that? If you are born again, you recognize your heart was the same way. He restores. He reinvigorates. He gives new life. He causes us to be born again. James even says it this way. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The Lord renews and gives life. This morning, maybe even in your own marriage, you need God to renew life there. If you're two believers, man, maybe the first place you need to start off is repentance. 
Repent to the Lord, repent to one another. Maybe you're having a hard time if you're a young person with your parents and you're struggling with Ephesians where it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Because you keep trying to do your own thing and go your own way. And so now that relationship has kind of been broken. Maybe for you, teenager, elementary kid, maybe for you, you need to repent. Maybe you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for being so rebellious. Mom and dad, forgive me. Lord, restore my heart. Maybe on your job, Christian, brother and sister, I say this lovely. Maybe instead of cussing your boss out in your head and in your heart. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to renew your heart towards them. Lord, forgive me for my attitude towards my job that you provided for me, that I asked for, but that now is not good enough. No, ask the Lord to renew our hearts because he leads on well-worn paths. See, there's a way that seems right to, right to us, but that way leads to destruction. Yet the shepherd leads on the path that he knows is right, the path that Jesus calls a narrow way. To trust the shepherd is to say, Lord, you know the way in which I must go. The path that leads to green pasture, the path where the sheep can graze and find rest and avoid danger. The reality is for all of us, we don't have the wisdom to lead ourselves. I don't have the wisdom to lead where I need to go. Psalm 37, 23 says like this, a person's steps are established by the Lord. And he takes pleasure in his way. So the Lord leads our steps and leads us where we should go. The Lord leads. The shepherd gives life. He leads us where we should go. And here's the thing. The shepherd glorifies himself. He glorifies himself. I love what it says there. He says he renews my life. He leads me along right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. He does all this for his name's sake. Why does God do all the things he does for us? For his glory. For his glory and his glory alone. Think of the name of the Lord. All throughout scripture gives us certain attributes of the Lord through his name. He is the Lord who provides. He is the Lord who is our peace. He is the Lord who heals. He is the Lord who is our righteousness. He is the Lord who is there. He is the Lord who sanctifies. All these are wrapped up in the name of the Lord. And yet God does all these things in our lives for his glory, for our good, for his glory. Here's the next thing. The shepherd is with us. He's with us. We walk through the darkest valley. We don't have to fear for he is with us. If you live long enough, you know God will allow you to walk through some valleys. He will allow you to walk through some sufferings, some persecutions. Here's the thing. I know every Christian family in here looks perfect on Sunday. But could you meet us about two hours before church? When nobody wants to get up. Nobody wants to come and worship. Everybody got a bad attitude. I know every Christian couple in here looks like they got it together. I know every Christian person in here looks like they have it all going on. But let the truth be told. Some of us are walking through things secretly that nobody knows about. 
And it seems so dark that you don't know where to turn. And so many of us keep it inside. We say, Lord, nobody knows because no one else is struggling like I am. But the Bible says that he keeps us even in the darkest valley because he is with us. John 16, 33, Jesus said it this way. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in the world, but be courageous. I've conquered the world. The question is not if you walk through dark moments, but the question is this, where does our trust lie when we do? The Psalms are filled with the reality of life, but also permeated with the faithful God who saves and delivers. In the darkest valley, it feels like this, you don't know what's next. In those moments, it causes you to wonder, Lord, how long? And what is the darkest valley? Where shepherds would lead their sheep along the mountain areas, they were surrounded by rocks and ravines, in all these mountain regions, there were cliffs. And at the bottom, there was the forest down there. And imagine a sheep walking along that path. Danger on this side, danger on that side. That is exactly what the darkest valley is. It's when danger is all around us. It's the terror that can befall us in this life. For some people, they actually fear death. Some people fear the unknown. But here's the thing. God is with us. He's with us. The scripture tells us that Jesus also shared in these so that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death. That is the devil and free those who are held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. Jesus sets us free from every fear, the fear of death, the fear of life, the fear of man. He leads us through the darkest valley. So there's no reason to fear. He leads us and he guides us. And look how it comes to a close. The shepherd protects us. Not only does he lead us, but he protects us. Because the Bible says this. He says, look, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He protects us because he has the tools that are needed to protect his own. I love this in Philippians 4, 7. It says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Revelation 1, 17 and 18, it says, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of death and Hades. In the midst of turmoil, God is faithful. He protects us because the battle is the Lord. He has the staff to pull us in, but also to ward off danger. That is the picture that is, he's giving us. If God is for us, who can be against us? The one who has the shepherd's crook knows exactly how to protect his own. Many times, though, we try to fight our own battles in our own strength. And we go to war when we should be going to the one who has all things under his authority and control. God, you are the one who is sovereign. You're the one who is good. You protect me and you lead me. But then also he prepares the table in the presence of our enemies. He prepares all the things that we need in the midst of trouble. Not just when we get over, it's already prepared for us in the midst of all the things that we're walking through. We trust and rest that he is good. In the Near East, when one would invite someone into their home, it was custom 
that they would just pour oil over their head. And look what it says there. You prepare a table. You protect me. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. So the Lord protects us by knowing which way we should go. He protects us by preparing a table for us. And then also in the presence of our enemies, he anoints us. He gives us rest. He welcomes us at his table saying we belong to him. And our cup is overflowing, that he is good and he's extravagant with all he does because his hand is upon us. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Who's David been talking to this whole time? The Lord. He's been going to the Lord. He's been magnifying the Lord, going to the Lord. He's giving the Lord a response of praise for who he is. Listen to the assurance of this statement. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. This is the picture of you moving forward and life not overtaking you, but his goodness and mercy overtaking you. Let's just be honest. There are many of us who wake up every morning with more dread than hope. There are many of us who are Christians who wake up every morning wondering, what is there really to live for? Some of us are bogged in the pit of despair. And our eyes have been clouded over by the weight of the world instead of the glorious goodness of our Savior. Do you realize if God is waking you up for another day, that is only the moment you have? And that he who began a good work in you is faithful to finish what he began? He says there he is assured that goodness and mercy will follow him. This is not some positive mantra. This is nothing like that. He's saying, no, I belong to the Lord. He belongs to me. I'm a child of God. And so I can have and I do have his goodness and loving kindness literally walking with me every single day of my life. Here's the thing for the Christian. We don't have to fight for favor. We have the favor of the Lord because of the finished work of Christ. We can say we've been young, we've been old, but we've never seen the righteous forsaken. We have to understand that every spiritual blessing is ours, despite our failures, despite our shortcomings. When you place your faith and trust in Christ, you cannot escape his love for you. In Christ, you cannot escape it. That means that you can't jump out of his hand because here's the thing. If you're in Christ, you don't have the desire to jump out of his hand. We're his. And David was sure that all the days of his life, he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to challenge you with this last thing. Do you have assurance that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? I'm not talking about I hope so. See, here's the thing. If you're saying I hope so, that means you're some type of way placing your hope in what you can do. I'm saying, do you have full assurance that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? And the only way we can have this assurance is by placing our faith and trust in Christ. The assurance that David had was not based on what he could offer up, but it's what only God could do. And when we're trusting in what Jesus has done, we're saying, Lord, you're a good God. You're holy and you're perfect. I'm not. But Lord, I recognize 
That because my sin is forgiven, I have a hope and a promise that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so that means I can surely say goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Notice he didn't say everything will work out every day of my life. Some of us have this notion that everything is just going to work out all the time. And here's the reality for many of us. We have to realize some things just don't work out. I want to break the notion that you as a Christian, just because you're in Christ, that everything's going to work perfectly for you every time and everything's going to work in your favor every time. No, it's not. You are going to suffer loss, brokenness, loss of friends, loss of family, loss of loved ones, loss of money, loss of time, relationships being broken. You say, well, what is in it for me following Jesus? That is the point. If you're in it for those things, you've missed the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That those who place their faith and trust in him, their sins are forgiven. And now they're his. So no matter what life throws my way, goodness and mercy and loving kindness follow after me because I'm walking with the Savior. So God is good despite. This morning as we close and we come to the Lord's table, maybe for some of us we need to come back afresh to remember what Jesus has done for us and how good he is to us. I want to just keen you in on something. He didn't have to be good to us, but he chose to. He didn't have to extend love and kindness, but he did. And when we come and we come to the table and we come partake of communion together, it is bringing back to remembrance what Jesus has done and bringing afresh again in our hearts how good he is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to take just a few moments to reflect on the goodness of God. Think about how good God has been to you. If you're born again, think on your salvation. Think on how he went to the cross. He bled and he died. He took on the wrath of God. Remember when you placed your faith and trust in him. If you're not a Christian this morning, and you're on the outside of the shepherd's care, he welcomes you to come in. But the only way to come into the shepherd's care is through one gate, and that is through Jesus Christ, placing your faith and trust in him alone. Father, as we conclude our time in the word and move to receive communion, Lord, would you challenge our hearts to recognize the goodness of the shepherd, that you are good and that you lay down your life for us. Help us to come back to remembrance of how good you are and how merciful you've been. Father, I thank you that you are God who can save, protect, lead and provide you love your people and that you would never forsake us. And the evidence of that 
is the finished work of Christ on the cross and that you're risen and that you're alive. God, we thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.